Hey guys, I'm Rachel Bonetta. And I'm Rechna Fruckbaum. And this is Hall of Shame. Woo! Okay. New week, fresh week, still in the same pants I've been in for the last month. <laughs> fresh week, unfresh pants. <laughs> um, <laughs> Reshna, I'm really excited today. As you know, and I feel like we, we share this bond, basketball is our one true love. It is our favorite sport. I... Absolutely love it. I have loved it my entire life. When I grew up, the only thing I wanted to be was a basketball player in the WNBA. And my favorite movie growing up was unfortunately Juana Man, which I know is problematic now. And I, if you've never <laughs> seen it before, don't go and watch it. Yeah, this is don't take this little trip down memory lane as a movie rack. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> binging old movies. This shouldn't be on the list. Skip Juana it is Man. bad. Um, something I'm less embarrassed to tell you that I really enjoyed watching was The Last Dance. Michael oh my Jordan. God basketball is back. I put Uh, my sneakers on to watch. It was amazing. Did you like it? It was so good. I also watched in my Jordans. It was so good. It just took me back. Like, I feel like we were all there and it just like, it's so visceral. I love it. Yeah. Millions of people. I feel like I could literally watch a documentary on any sports figure and be truly entranced because that's how desperado I am for sports right now. But anyways, it was amazing. This is excellent. Yeah. Last week you did Frozen Envelope. This week, I'm doing another basketball story. We're going to do another one next week. People are missing basketball right now. This is like prime b-ball time. You know what I mean? So we are dedicating these three sad weeks to basketball right now. Um, Before I even get into my story, I got to ask you a question. Yeah. How is your anger level? Are you ever like quick to rage slash have you ever been in a fist fight? I have never been in a fist fight, though. So I played basketball in high school and we got into a fight with another team once. But I just stood there and was like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) But um, like you were standing on the sidelines where while girls were just like throwing bows, like were they actually. Yeah. Yeah. Like a few. The. It was like um, our center and the other team center got into it because like we would have to share the locker room with. Like, so if we had a home game, we'd share our locker room with the away team. So it's like a weird thing. It's like competing. You know what? I went to a small school. But uh, I do. I'll say this. So I've never been in a fist fight. Um, I'm not a real physical rager. I feel I don't really have a big temper anymore, but I did. Ooh. It's something I worked on. Like, I, I have been known to have a temper. Like, I'm not normally a person with a temper, but when I get mad, I can get Really mad. I feel like we have found another thing that we have in common because Ooh. there was once upon a time, not not the anger thing, but the fighting thing. When I was young, <laughs> my group of girlfriends got into a fist fight with another group of girlfriends at like a pizza pizza, which is like our pizza chain. <laughs> and I was standing off to the side being like, I only want I only came here for pizza. You guys can yeah. go and fight and I'm going to stand right here. But there was another girl in the other group that was kind of like me that was like standing off to the side and and she looks at me and grabs my fake Chanel wallet and throws it across the room. And I was like, I'm not going to hit you. And I just like walked over yeah. and sadly picked up my wallet and stood back I'm in line. I'm going to go get my knockoff wallet and be on my merry way. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, a 
Okay, so we are very much from the sidelines. We don't participate. We just yeah. like to watch the drama. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Good start. So today, I want to tell you the story of one of the most infamous brawls in professional basketball history. Malice at the Palace, a.k.a. the brawl between the Pacers and the Pistons and the fans and the coaches and the security people and the ushers. And so on and so forth. It's I'm amazing. very excited to relive this with a bunch of details. I'm sure I've forgotten. Well, let me tell you that I knew about Malice at the Palace, obviously. Every basketball fan right. does. But as I started looking into this iconic fight, I found that the most interesting part of the story was the guy that was at the center of it all. Somebody that does not just stand on the sidelines like us. <laughs> then Pacer, Ron Artest, now known as Meta World Peace. Yeah. One of the more fascinating figures in basketball, I would say. In sports, I would say. So I realized at the beginning of the story, there's so much to talk about. There's so much to get into. So we are actually going to bring you a special two-parter on Meta World Peace, a.k.a. Ron Artest, and Malice in the Palace is going to be in there. Sound good? I love it. Okay. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Great. Today... We are going to take you from the very beginning of his life to one of the lowest points of his career. And then, as I said, there is so much more to come. I am so excited for our very first Hall of Shame two-parter. It's going to be great. Double header. Double header. Basketball (laughs) month. Hall of Shame coming at you. Okay, so um, by the way, for now, in the beginning, I'm going to call him Ron since we're starting... At the beginning, I also feel like this is going to help with our transition, our character evolution to when he changes his name. Love it. So You're quite a storyteller. Thank you so much. (laughs) So Ron was born in 1979 and grew up in the Queensbridge Housing Projects in New York City, which are the largest housing projects in the United States, by the way. So I'm already thrown because that means he's younger than me. Go on. Oh. I was born in 1977. I thought we were going to keep your age like a very elusive thing. Oh. um, It's too late. Kyle, (laughs) maybe don't put this in. (laughs) Edit that out. Yeah. Okay, no, just keep, keep that entire thing. So the area he grew up in was plagued with drugs and drug dealing and crime. Just to give you kind of like a insight, the early 80s was when crack was becoming a thing in New York City. So he actually learned how to cook crack when he was young and even did one drug deal. Oh my God. But it was too scary and ultimately not for him. So good choice. Good for you, Ron. Yeah. Great Way decision. Too scary. But that's what he was growing up around. Ron had a really tough childhood, as you can imagine. He now sure. says that he suffered from really bad anger issues his whole life stemming from stress and anxiety, but he also had these extreme mood swings starting from when he was really young. And that's probably what led him to fighting a ton in school. In a documentary about his life, he said he got suspended every single year for fighting. When he was a teenager, he started to put all of this negative energy that he had into basketball. And he played a ton of pickup in his neighborhood where he was often playing against drug dealers, guys with guns. Like they just like throw their gun down and be like, all right, let's play, let's play ball. 
So these dudes were often a lot older than him. They had a no blood, no foul rule they played with. So like, it's not a foul unless the other dude is bleeding. You get it. You get it. So he learned that basketball was a contact sport. And that lesson was sometimes hit home in the most disturbing ways. Like, listen to this story. You know, I remember one time he was on one of my friends, you know, he played basketball. He was winning the game. One time there was a basketball tournament that was held at the local YMCA. And a kid got stabbed through the heart with a broken off table leg and died. It was so competitive. They, threw, um, they broke the, the leg from the table and they threw it. It went right through his heart and he died right on the court. What? I know. Unfortunately, he was like, yeah, this shit's pretty normal. Yeah. It's wild. So at 17, Ron started playing in the AAU, the Amateur Athletics Union Basketball League, which was like a rep traveling team. And he was playing on the same teams as like Elton Brand, Lamar Odom. Oh, yeah. For those of you that don't like basketball, but maybe you've heard of him through the Kardashians. Former lover of Chloe. All that stuff. But he was playing with some really talented guys. And Ron was undeniably good. He was named McDonald's All-American as well as New York City's Co-Player of the Year his senior year. But even more undeniable, Rechno, was his temper and unpredictability. He had this reputation for just like snapping. He would go zero to 100 in seconds. And I will say like to bring this back to my (laughs) life, (laughs) the one time that I actually showed anger, like I, you know, I lost my dad when I was young and he was sick for a really long time. I had a lot of pent up anger as a kid. The one time I got to let it out was when I was playing sports, when I was playing hockey and I would just like deck girls in the corner and be sent to the penalty box like that was my therapy in a way you know yeah I mean anger is an important emotion to get out yeah it's an I feel like it's an important part of sports because that's like the fire and the passion so he had a reputation for snapping one time his AAU team was playing a tournament in St. Louis and this guy on the other team was scoring a little too much for Ron's liking I've been there I get that but then Ron punched him in the face and then displaced his jaw oh my god okay so Ron hasn't found a health while anger is a healthy way his mode of expressing it was very unhealthy yes he had anger issues and mood swings and it really started to impact his life it's also worth noting at this point when he was 17 he was going through more than you can imagine he had an unplanned child his little sister had just died his brother was in jail for drug dealing Uh, literally the list goes on so he's holding a lot and all this kid is trying to do is play basketball so thankfully he does graduate high school manages to stay on track He stays in New York City for college and goes to St. John's University. So he gets to stay at home, stay with close to his family. Unfortunately, the anger issues just followed him. Ron was trouble on his college team. His coach said he got into a ton of fights on the court. In an interview, the coach recalled one specific, very memorable practice. Everything was business as usual. Team running drills, scrimmaging, yada, yada, yada. And suddenly Ron would just like flip out, like flip like a switch. He would get angry. The coach would have to call a break for the entire team. Ron would go off, compose himself, come back, get back to practice. And then again, something would set Ron off and the coach would have to call another break. Like it's literally getting disrupted every few minutes. Obviously not a great way to run a practice. So when Ron flipped for a third time, coach kicked him out. He's like, you got to go. Go chill out. Ron, in a rage, grabbed every single ball in the rack, threw them up in the stands, 
and then grabbed the rack and also <laughs> chucked it up into the stands. Um, somebody's strong. Hello. I respect the drama of it. I do. <laughs> I understand that it's I, an outburst. No. But I kind of love the reaction. If you're going to do it, go all the way. <laughs> if you're going to get kicked out of practice. Yeah. Don't just throw like one or two balls into the stands. Get all the way to the rack. Go out in flames. Um, so Ron gets kicked out of practice, throws the temper tantrums, balls are in the stands. Later, when the coach returned to his office, oh no, he noticed a typewriter lodged into the wall. <laughs> Jesus, Ron, Ron had grabbed a typewriter and then hurled it at the wall with so much strength that the typewriter stayed in the wall. Yeah. So we're both learning, obviously, a temper issue that needs help, and then also like extreme strength and also a flair for the dramatics yeah should runner test win an oscar <laughs> i think he should these types of mood swings though alarming obviously was sort of par for the course when working with ron like you know obviously the typewriter probably a shock the rest of it was like yeah this is just ron being ron the tough part was that when he wasn't fighting, he was a really hard guy not to like. He was friendly. He sure. was smart. He was very sweet. As the documentary title, yeah. like I just mentioned, he was a quiet storm. That's what I was saying. I like love when he ta- when he speaks. It's so it's like very subdued. Now, fast forward two years, Ron, after his college career, was selected by the Chicago Bulls with the 16th pick. Of the 1999 NBA draft. He's finally leaving New York City. He's going to Chicago. And he was the 16th pick. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's amazing. First round. So when he gets into the NBA, you would think, okay, fresh start, new city, away from the Mm -hmm. drama that I had back at home. He immediately starts fighting. Like immediately. During games, during practices. He said he was just like so hungry and worried he wouldn't measure up. So once he got into the NBA, he said just like everything was magnified. His senses, his emotions, obviously, they were all heightened. Right. So by this point, Ron Artest obviously developed even more of a reputation than I'm sure he probably already had even going into the NBA. His behavior just got even more erratic. He was always getting in trouble, doing crazy shit, according to him. His words, not yours. (laughs) He wasn't really taking care of himself. He was always out partying. He even, this is like a famous Ron Artest story. He even applied for a part-time job at Circuit City (laughs) because he wanted the employee discount. Mind you, this was his rookie year. He was making a million dollars. I love that. (laughs) Can you imagine you're like one of the top rookies in the league and you're like, I need like a new tape recorder. And it's like Ron Artest is like, can I help you? Do you want? He said the employee discount was 50% off. And he said he worked one shift, helped a couple of people, talked to some people. I kind of love that. So do I. Anything for a discount. We've we've talked a lot about it, and I agree. It's also, like, very hardworking of him. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that actually leads me into this next part. The Bulls made him quit, and then they made him go into counseling, like, ASAP. And he was given antidepressants. But why you got to quit Circuit City? (laughs) I feel like that's unrelated. I don't know. They're like, (laughs) guy... 
you don't need a 50% discount. We pay you a shit ton of money. I guess. But I'm also just like, you can both go to therapy and do one shift a week at Circus City. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so the Bulls get him to do counseling. He was given antidepressants. He hated how they made him feel. Uh, girl, same. So he flushed them down the toilet. Uh, I get it. In 2002, the Bulls had enough of his antics. They were like, sure. my guy, this is really tough to deal with. So they traded him to the Pacers. But his troubles just seemed to follow him. Ugh. Yeah. So this is actually where our story really starts to heat up, Rajna. Okay. Even on a new team, this guy was struggling. Very unstable. During the games, he would get so angry. He would boot the ball into the crowd. Yeah. Super dangerous, by the way. Once after a loss, he went into a locker room hallway, shoved the camera Ugh. guy just because he was a sore loser and he was just like pissed off. That camera cost him $120,000 to replace. Okay. Well, deserved. He could have gotten it 50% off Circuit City if he still had that job. He would give the middle finger to the crowd. Sure. He even got into a fight with his coach during Ooh. a game that was broadcast. It wasn't just like in a practice one time. He was just intense. Yeah. The Pacers, like the Bulls, tried to get him help. Uh. A psychiatrist even traveled with the team sometimes. So throughout all of this... Even though people thought he was a complete shithead, he was still playing really good basketball. Despite all of this drama, he was an incredible player. Imagine how good you have to be for people to put up with that shit. Oh my God. This guy just gave me the middle finger and I absolutely love him. He just lodged a typewriter <laughs> to the wall, but he's so good. <laughs> I have never been close to that good at anything. He just broke my $120,000 camera. We're cool. He's a great basketball player. If I threw a ping pong ball, I would be done with anything I did. I'm not that good at anything. <laughs> <laughs> so he was really respected in the league, which, I, I again, you're right. You hit the nail on the head. I think that's saying a lot. He even made it into the All-Star game. After the 03-04 season, side note, I love this. He wore four different pairs of shoes during this game, hoping to get a shoe deal, which sounds hella similar to us, by the way. Like we keep on finding it's these true. crossroads with around our test. So the 04-05 season was supposed to be the year for the right. Pacers, like the year they would finally make it into the NBA Finals. If you are a basketball fan, you have definitely experienced this. This is going to be yes. our year. They had Braun, Jermaine O'Neal, Reggie Miller, a great squad. But so good. Those dreams came to a dramatic end just nine games into the season. Rechna, I cannot wait to tell you what happens next, but uh, we are going to have to wait until after what a cliffhanger. our short break. Hall of Shame is brought to you by Philo TV. Do you guys love TV but hate the size of your cable bill? Philo is your solution. It offers more than 50 channels of TV live and on demand for just $20 a month. I think that this past month, I've either been staring at a wall or watching a lot of TV, yeah. HGTV. And Philo has it. They've got HGTV. Comedy Central, BBC America, Paramount, Hallmark, MTV, VH1. They have so many different networks, so many different shows. Rushna, what have you been watching? I mean, I love that they have Comedy Central because I have been watching The Daily Show because it's kind of the only way I can take my news right now. The edge is taken off a little with a little bit of cheek. Like, I can't read it straight. It's too dark. Yeah, usually have to watch my news with a 
couple of glasses of wine in hand. Yeah. <laughs> with Philo, you save hundreds a month on TV. It's the most affordable way to watch at a time when everyone could use some entertainment in their life. Philo was created by a bunch of passionate TV fans that wanted to make a better way for you guys to watch. There are no contracts. It's cord-free, commitment-free, hassle-free, and provides unparalleled customer service. One of the better features is its unlimited DVR, which allows you to save all of your favorite shows so you can watch on your own schedule. It also allows for multiple profiles and multiple streams so everyone in the house can have their own saved shows in up to three simultaneous streams. Never fight over who gets to pick what to watch. Retina, stop stealing the controller from your children. <laughs> stop stealing it from your dogs, you know? Valid point. Philo is easy to use, super easy to sign up, and you can watch by phone, laptop, tablet, or TV with Roku, Fire TV, Apple TV, or Android TV. Philo is TV for everyone. Sign up today at philo.tv slash shame, and you'll get 25% off your first two months. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash shame. Hall of Shame is brought to you by Beekeepers Naturals. Beekeepers is on a mission to reinvent your medicine cabinet with clean remedies that actually work. Their flagship product, Propolis Throat Spray, is your daily defense when it comes to supporting your immune health and soothing sore and scratchy throats. Never heard of Propolis before? It's a powerful antioxidant-rich bee product with medicinal use dating back to 300 BC. Rachel, talk to me. Have you used that throat spray? First off, anything that's dating back to 300 BC, I feel like you could trust. So yes, I have been using mm -hmm. it. I'm stuck in my apartment like you guys are as well, listening from home. And I feel like it's dry in here and gross and I'm having allergies. So I've been using this throat spray every night before I go to bed. And it's quite lovely. It's awesome. And amazing. Propolis throat spray is sustainably sourced and contains just three simple ingredients with no refined sugars, dyes, or hard to pronounce chemicals inside, which is always a bonus. Mm -hmm. Another product of theirs I love is the Beelixir. I went through it so fast. So fast. Did you use it? Uh, it's gone. It's, it's been <laughs> gone for a while. <laughs> I felt so sharp the like six days I had it. It was great. Yeah. It's awesome because you can take a shot first thing in the morning or before an important video conference to beat brain fog, find your flow, and be in your A game without caffeine or sugar. Amazing. We could all use more daily defense right now, and Propolis Throat Spray is a game changer. It's time to give your medicine cabinet an upgrade with Beekeepers Naturals. To save 15% on your first order, go to beekeepersnaturals.com slash shame. That's B-E-E-K-E-E-P-E-R-S-N-A-T-U-R-A-L-S dot com slash shame to get 15% off. Meet your new medicine cabinet with Beekeepers Naturals. Hall of Shame is brought to you by BetterHelp. Are you stuck at home? Yes. Feeling isolated? Check. Yes. Worried about the state of things? Yes. Mm -hmm. Check, check, check. BetterHelp offers online professional counselors who can help you. You can talk to a licensed online therapist and find relief. BetterHelp therapists specialize in issues such as depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, insomnia, family conflicts, and more. I'm going through a world of issues right now, and I feel like BetterHelp sounds pretty nice to have on the regular, but particularly right now, yeah. it's amazing. You'll connect with your counselor in a safe and private online environment. Anything you share is confidential. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you will love in less than 24 hours. Easily schedule secure video or phone sessions with your therapist, plus exchange unlimited messages, which is amen, hallelujah, mm -hmm. what I need. For sure. 
there. If for any reason you are unhappy with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time for no additional charge. You get professional help when you want it, wherever you are. BetterHelp is a truly affordable option and our listeners get 10% off your first month with the discount code SHAME. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com slash SHAME, S-H-A-M-E. We need to work on a better code for this one. No shame in this at all, but that's betterhelp.com slash shame. Talk to a therapist online and get help. Okay, we're back. So to refresh, we are nine games into the season. So real early. Pacers are supposed to be the shit this year. Mm -hmm. On November 19th. 2004 the Pacers were scheduled to play the Detroit Pistons in Detroit Mm. at their stadium called the Palace sick name for a stadium by the way I know love that welcome to the Palace earlier in 2004 the season prior to this one the Pacers and Pistons met in the playoffs and Detroit ended up knocking out the Pacers some say it was kind of Ron's fault he had like a bad late foul in the game because of his temper So chip on the shoulder. I love it. Love going into games like this. So this November game, the first time they are playing each other since that moment Mm -hmm. was bound to be heated. The palace was at full capacity. 22,000 people for a regular season game, like nine games into the season. Yeah, that's wicked. That's awesome. It's awesome. You know, it's going down by the end of the first quarter. Pacers and Ron were up 20 to 10. Second quarter Pacers still up. 59 to 43 third quarter the Pistons trail by only nine points but a couple of great plays by the Pacers put them back down again the quarter ends at 80 66 Pacers so this game was pretty much entirely dominated by the Pacers they led the whole time and in the fourth quarter with just 45 seconds to go they are going to get a little sliver of revenge Pacers are up by 15. Pistons are not coming back from that. The Pacers could totally just run out the clock at this point. But instead, in true Ron Artest fashion, things start to get a little dicey. Ben Wallace on the Pistons goes up for a layup and Ron fouls him blatantly with a hit to the back of the head. Like it was it was bad. It was dirty. An unnecessary foul. (laughs) Absolutely unnecessary. You're up by 15. Just chill out. Just like run the clock out. Let him get the layup. You'll be up by 13. Yeah. Ben turns around, clearly visibly upset, and shoves Ron. A tussle then ensues, of course. Then Wallace is fouled, and Wallace did... Oh, Wallace, right at our chest. This has potential to be serious if they don't get between. Wallace upset. Players trying to hold each other off. Steven Jackson and Rasheed Wallace trying to be peacemakers. Now Jackson yelling. Teammates from both sides come try to break it up. They're pulled away from each other. Ben is still throwing wristbands, towels, shit to hit Ron, like anything that he can grab. Sure. In a miraculous turn of events, Ron doesn't take the bait. He's like, okay, I'm good. And goes and fully lays down on the scorer's table, which is a weird thing to do, but better than what Ron would probably usually do, which is like throw a chair. Ron later said he was trying to cool himself off and just like chill out. But regardless, for anyone watching, it was a very bizarre move. For some reason, Ron laying down on this table really upset the fans. 
Right. For some reason. I mean, it's in Detroit. They're already winning by 15. Could be like, oh, this guy's just being an asshole. It's a real troll move. They start booing him and throwing popcorn. And remember, this whole place is at full capacity. So it probably felt like a very intense moment. And Detroit fans are hardcore. Yeah, it's Detroit. Yeah, they're not messing around. And then out of nowhere, it is a bird. It's a plane. No, actually, it's a Diet Coke being chucked at Ron Artest from the stands, and it hits him right in the head. Insane. I remember that moment. When I say he snaps, he snaps. Now Artest is jumped over the scorer's table and is trying to get down to the bench. Immediately, like I have never seen a man run so fast, he jumps into the stands. Artest is in the stands. And just goes for basically everyone. He has no idea who threw it. Tries to find who threw it. In this madness, he mistakes some guy, goes after him, physically grabs him, throws him down, asking, Did you do it? Fans and players are going at it. The players trying to help each other out. His teammate Steven Jackson joins him in the stands and just starts punching people. Just starts wailing. Like, I'm kind of picturing like a Bart Simpson, Lisa Simpson fight scene. Just like, goes nuts. This is a disgrace. A few other players try to break shit up. But no, no, no. That's not happening. The chaos has already started. We're in the Yeah. The guy who actually threw the cup, John Green, finds Ron and punches him in the head twice. Insane. Jermaine O'Neal, Ron's teammate, throws an usher onto the scorer's table. The usher did not do anything. He's literally just trying to help people find their seats. Yeah. Ron's back on the court. Some fan wearing a Pistons jersey charges at him. And now another fight's breaking out in front of the Pistons bench. It's a, it's a fan on the court. Ron punches this guy. This is very, very dangerous. Another fan tries to tackle Ron. One of Ron's teammates punches him. Then this guy gets up again. Jermaine O'Neal, another one of Ron's teammates, punches him for the second time. It's chaotic. Mind you, there's beer and soda like spilled all over the floor. People are slipping left, right, and center. Fans are throwing cups with liquid in them now. Meanwhile, Pacers play-by-play announcer Mark Boyce attempts, attempts to hold Ron back and contain him. He ends up getting trampled and he starts bleeding from the head. The security trying to somehow restore order. Security finally shows up. Oh, what a sad scene here at the palace. In all of these stories that we've done, which there have been a few of like riots and they're like slow to the trigger. They're always the, the last ones to show up. What the fuck is going on? If you're not there for this, what really are you there for? <laughs> Pacers players and coaches leave the floor and in the hallway, they're just like showered with beer and popcorn. Somebody even throws a chair at them. Jesus. The fight lasted a total of two minutes. Two minutes in a fight, I feel like is a long time. It's a very long time. And it's not just a fight. It's a riot. It's a brawl. It's a brawl. Yeah. So the game was called 97 to 82. Pacers win. But did anyone really win here? Like this was insane. The NBA obviously was fucking pissed. A bunch of players were suspended. Between nine players, they were suspended for a total of 146 games. Yes. They suffered a collective income loss of $10 
million dollars, Rechna. Yeah. Five million of that belonged to Ron Artest. The 86 games that Ron was suspended for remains the longest non-drug related suspension in NBA history. That's wild. Checks out. The police tracked down the cup thrower. He was sentenced to 30 days in jail and two years probation. He was also banned from the palace. Sure. Right. I remember that. So he got his. Yeah, he got his. Uh, Five players were charged with misdemeanor assault and battery. It was a mess. A mess. A mess. Could you imagine watching this thing unfold in like real time? We've all seen it. If you haven't, I urge you to YouTube it. I think I did. Did I? You watched it live? If I didn't watch it live, it's like my brain thinks I have because I've watched the footage so much. Yeah. And unfortunately, back to Ron, things just like never got back on track for Ron and this team. One year later, he requests a trade and leaves the Pacers for Sacramento. And this was like a hit to the whole team. But that's the other thing. Like both of these teams were supposed to be like contender. It like impacted both their seasons. So this was a hit to the whole team. Like even though no one was that close to Ron, some of his fellow players thought of themselves as like protecting him out in this brawl. It's still your teammate. And then he goes and abandons them. Like that'd be kind of shitty. Yeah. So my question to you to wrap this up is, do you blame this guy? Because I kind of don't. I'm like of two minds because I think I can both hold that I have empathy for like probably what is some mental illness and like obviously very hard circumstances that like it's so much easier for me to make good choices because I grew up with a lot more privilege. Yeah. And then there's the part of me that's like you've made some really bad choices and you have had opportunity. I mean, but the opportunity came after the damage was done. Like this guy learned how to cook crack when he was 13. 13. I know. I hear you. I... It's an interesting, it's just a conundrum, but I, listen, as a person, like as a personality and as like an athlete, like I'm a huge fan. You know what? I will stand by my statement and say that I don't blame him. Yeah. I will say in the mouse in the palace, it's not certainly just on him. A lot of people made a lot of bad choices that day. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get into that in a second. Like who's to blame. But I do think that this guy has been through an unimaginable amount of pain. And the fact that he was able to graduate high school, to go to college, to be the 16th pick sure. in the whatever year of the NBA draft. That is so impressive to me. Like he he went to try and get help. He was on antidepressants. He tried to, he was partying a ton. He tried to get a job at Circuit City so that he could I don't know why that's anyone's version of calming down, but he really made the effort and now we see who he is. And I mean, I respect the shit out of that guy. Who knows For where sure. we would be? We can't even get into a fist fight to defend our friends at a pizza pizza. We can't say shit about this. Does it we? I wasn't there. I'm saying as a collective, <laughs> we both stand on the side. I wasn't there at pizza pizza. <laughs> <laughs> My knockoff wallet was knockoff Gucci, not knockoff Chanel. <laughs> <laughs> but my, my next question is, Who's to blame in this particular fight? Do you think it's the fans or do you think that, I mean, he did have the foul that started this bullshit. Mm, Yeah, but I mean, like flagrant fouls happen. Was the foul smart or like needed or no? So like, but flagrant fouls happen all the time and they don't lead to like brawls. I mean, I would say I, I remember back then being like the fan who threw a Diet Coke. That guy is like patient zero for that brawl. That was my take on it. I have 
a tremendous amount of empathy for Ron Artest. Yeah. I do. I feel like these are some of my favorite episodes that we've done. It's just like something that has to do with a brawl because we had the 10 cent beer night with Cleveland. Yeah. People are pulling out chains. People are drinking <laughs> booze, bags of wine. They're getting oh naked. God. And I just like the escalation of describing <laughs> a brawl is maybe it's the so like fun. I get giddy in my voice. You know what I mean? It's so much fun. It's like an escapist thing, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm like literally right there on the sidelines watching as I usually am yeah eating popcorn just watching the brawl. listen I feel like fighting is kind of like barbaric I, I'm not really into like UFC or MMA mm-hmm. or anything like that or boxing even but there's something about fights breaking out in a sport that's not supposed to have them like a soccer game or basketball yeah. hockey is like par for the course I get so excited. It's like fun. I feel like this one got so out of hand. Those like ones that kind of stay on the court are fun, especially in the playoffs. It gets you into it. Yeah. I mean, like perfect scenario. No one's getting hurt and it's just like all for drama. And nobody's being suspended for 86 games because that's intense. Yeah, that's intense. You don't want to brawl to then impact the season. Which it totally did in this case. Yeah. Um, So anyways, that's the story. Part one. And this absolutely wild fight was kind of just the beginning of Ron's career in the NBA. We're going to really get into it next episode. This is just part one of the Ron Artest slash Meta World Peace story. Fascinating. We're going to talk about Lakers taking a chance on him, playing with Kobe, going on TV in his underwear, his career shift to play in China, changing his name to Meta World Peace, which is like... Even if you have no idea who this guy is from what you've heard in episode one, like his name now is Meta World Peace. You can only imagine the transitions this guy has been through in his life. I just got a little bit of my fix of basketball. So thank you. I know. Isn't it so nice? Well, this is just the beginning. Part two next week coming at you. Can't wait. I'm so excited. We will see you guys then. Bye. Hall of Shame is a product of Crooked Media. The show is produced by Caroline Reston and Allison Falzetta. Our executive producers are Sarah Geismer and Stephen Hoffman. Engineering and sound design by Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis. Our theme music is by Taka Yasuzawa. Thank you to Sydney Rapp and Brian Semmel for production support every week. <laughs> <laughs>